0: Let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Psalm 19, and we'll start there. Um, Pastor Andrew told me that you guys have been going through the Multiply uh, series, the Francis Chan series. We're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple, as far as getting in the Word of God and what that means. Um, for some of us, when we when the Bible comes up, there's great joy, there's great anticipation. We love the book. We read the book. We have learned much from the book. Uh, we study it. We spend time in it. And, and that's when we hear the word Bible, we think, oh, man, yes. But then let's be honest. There's some of us when we hear the word Bible or when you hear that we're going to talk about reading the Bible. Sometimes there's guilt. That comes upon us, because maybe if we're honest, we don't really like to read it or we don't read it or we're too busy to read it or it just you know we just don't know what to do with it once we get there so my 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 aim this morning is for us to be encouraged by the word of God Um, not for any of us to feel guilty but rather for us to be just for just really just pumped up to actually read it And for those who are in the word, I I pray that this encourages you to do it all the more. For those of us who are not in the word, maybe uh, this will just spur us on to begin. Because there is great treasure there. Let me pray for us and uh, we'll start with Psalm 19. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would please speak to us. All of us in this room are in the midst of a battle where the flesh is warring against the Spirit. Even as we sit in these pews and, and as we are here in this church, the battle rages on. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would be much louder than our flesh. For You are way more powerful than than the enemy and our flesh. Please speak to us. God, we are not interested in just doing church today and going through the motions. And in order for that not to happen, God, we need You. I know that I could just get in preacher mode and do my thing, and I know that the people that are in these pews could get in church mode and just and hear it and go through the motions and leave. Lord, we, we are all in danger of this not being a sacred time. But Father, we're going to trust you that you want to speak to us. We're going to trust that church isn't the goal today, but worship and transformation And change. So, God, for your glory and for your namesake, change us as your people through the power of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Psalm nineteen seven through eleven says this the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. You know, I I think this is one of my favorite passages when it comes to describing the Bible. Um, it, it, It says some amazing things there. If you look at some of those verbs in this passage, it talks about it revives the soul, it talks about it rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It's to be desired more than gold, than anything else that this world can offer, essentially. It is a reward in and of itself. So, I mean, when you think about that, when you see the Bible and begin to see it described in this way, how many of us, and we don't need to raise our hands, but how many of us actually, when we think of the Bible, we think of it in this way? like that it's literally going to revive to bring life to my weary soul that it is going to rejoice bring joy to my heart in a sorrowful world like oftentimes when we think of the bible or think of reading the bible we 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 sort of get bogged down with the details and forget what it really is it is god wanting to speak to his people To put it plainly so that all of us could understand he is not trying to trick us. He is not trying to hide from us. He is not trying to just gather up a group of elite people who could actually understand it. But he actually wants us to go to it and begin to see that it is for us and that he is speaking to us. He wants to literally revive us through it. He wants to give us joy. Not superficial happiness in the fleeting things of this world, but actual joy to our heart. But yet, if we're honest, when we look at the Bible, sometimes it's more just about an obligation. It's more about, well, we need to do this instead of we get to do this. And I'm guilty of that. You may think, well, yeah, right. You preach all the time. Well, that's the thing. Even I can get caught up in this sort of root where I'm just preparing sermons for people to hear instead of going to the Word of God and asking God to show me who He is. To revive my soul. To bring joy to my heart. Like, these type of things. Like I, 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 I can get caught in the root of just going through the motions. Even as someone who is called to communicate the Word To people on a regular basis. Now I hope I'm not the only one in here. Who could resonate with that. Unless CLC is just the holiest church ever. I'm pretty sure that there are some in this room. Who will hear that and say yeah I'm with you on that. You see my. I want to ask the question. Why not? Why don't we. Treat the Bible. For what it is. What are some reasons that we actually don't even get in the word of God? What is the reasons why we don't want to spend time in it? What are some reasons that we just sort of have put it on the shelf? And yet the only Bible for some of us that we ever hear is when we come here on Sundays. Why? Well, here's some things I think that we that that we could all relate to. We're all pretty busy. Would you guys agree with that? Like, I don't care if you're a teenager or if you're uh, 40 years old or 70 years old. We are all pretty busy. And we have things to do. <laughs> we have lives to live. And we get busy. And when we get busy, we can get sucked in and lulled into this idea that, that we need, this is of utmost importance. staying busy and doing the things that are on our plate. You see, the only thing that gets us out of our busyness is when we slow down and begin to say, God, what in the world is my life about? And we begin to ask the hard questions and then we have to go to the place where we can find those answers. So busyness, I think, is an obvious one. How many of you don't raise your hand, don't read the Bible because you just don't feel like you have time? Maybe five minutes here, ten minutes there. And then when you don't actually do it, you you feel guilty about it. And then another day comes and you say, today is the day. I'm going to read my Bible today. Today is the day I'm going to do this. And then you get busy and then it doesn't happen again. And then you feel guilty. And then you wake up the next morning or at that night and you say, you know what? Today is the day. I'm getting rid of all this. I'm going to get up early and then life happens, and then next thing you know, a week has went by, and you're like, man, I still have not spent that quality time with God. Which makes church sweet, by the way. I mean, when you think about it, when, you, when you're able to come to a place and actually hear the Word of God and be fed and things like that, that's a great thing. But church will be much sweeter if those six days out of the week we're actually communing and connecting with God in His Word. Church would be much more meaningful to us, actually, if we connect with him on a day to day basis. So busyness is one. I think another one is, is, just we misunderstand what the word is for. What is the what is the Bible? I know for some of us it's pretty elementary and it's a simple answer, but I think that sometimes we just don't have a grasp of what the Bible is intended for. Not understanding the power and the purpose of it. For example, it's not a magic book. It's not like this book that we read and all of a sudden it just sort of all these magical things start to happen. It's not that. And I think some of us need to understand that because sometimes we go into the scriptures expecting... That somehow like everything is going to be opened up to us and then like out of the the text there will be birds flying out and, and trees starting to grow. It's like this magical book. No, it's never intended to be that. Actually, it's intended to be much more than that. Than some sort of superficial make me feel good type of thing. What is the Bible? It is intended to do way more than make us feel good for a day because we went through a ritual of reading it but yet we misunderstand what's going on. It's meant to be way more than that. And if we understand that we will be much more likely to crave it and rest in it, if we just get into it, then I think this is a great opportunity for us just to, to just be basic here this morning. I'm not trying to be deep or anything like that. I just want us to begin to grasp some things and rejoice in some things this morning. So why don't we do it? Busyness. Busyness. Lack of understanding. Sometimes we have a wrong view of what it is. We think it's some like this magical potion. But today I want to let the Bible speak for itself about what it really is. So, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what the Bible says about itself. Then we're going to talk about the goal of reading the Bible and then the prize of reading the Bible. And then some very basic, simple, practical things that help us do it, okay? So let's just be practical. We're going to put on our practical hats and just start to say, okay, let's look at this in the proper perspective. First of all, what does the Bible say about itself? I just want to highlight a few passages. First one, 2 Timothy 3.16, very, very common passage. All scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Verse 17. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That is a powerful passage about what the Bible says it is. It's it's amazing to think that the Bible describes itself. And it says that all Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is God-breathed. That is the same um, Greek word that is used in the Greek Old Testament when in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And it was breathing life into things. It was breathing life into Adam. And that is the same concept there that the Scripture is God breathing life to us. I wonder if we would stop and think of the Bible in this way if we would be more likely to, to grasp a hold of it. God who spoke everything into existence, who breathed life into you and I, has given us a book where He has done the same thing. He has breathed life into it and said here take this life and find life in it it says that it is profitable it's not just something that we do out of religious obligation but it actually has the power to do something it does something in our life there is profit there is gain from it it teaches it corrects it trains it brings wholeness and equips us For good works. It actually. In verse 17 it says. That the man of God may be complete. That idea right there of complete. Is the word that that means wholeness. To be a whole person. Mind, body and spirit. Everything together. In one sort of unison. um, um, Working together. And it's like. That's what the Bible says. That it will actually do for us. To make us whole. So much of our Christian lives is the dichotomy. We have our work life, and then we have our Christian church life. We have this over here that's a compartment, and then we have this over here that's a compartment. But the Bible actually, it says, if the word of God is true, that it wants to bring all those things together to where we are complete, we are whole. I mean, that's a powerful statement that the Bible makes about itself, that it has the power to actually do that, to make sense of our busyness, to make sense of our chaotic lives and all the things that are on our checklist. It wants to bring it together and actually bring purpose and life to it. Some of us, I know for a fact in this room, we are running the race. But there is no joy. There is no real meaning. There is no real purpose. We're just going through the motions. And God is saying that in the word of God, when we find him, he actually wants to make sense of this chaotic life. So that we would be whole, complete, brought together is what that word means in the original language. And then it says, and equips us for good works. It only not only Gives us this sort of idea of who God is and who we are. Makes sense out of our life. But it propels us to actually go out and do something. You see, I think that church often is just church. Because often throughout the week we have never connected with God. In a meaningful way. And then when we get here. When we get to a place like church, we're expecting, some of us are expecting big things to fill this gap for a whole week. Church isn't meant for that. Church actually is sort of the end of the week celebration of God's goodness and revelation of himself to us. And church begins to become more meaningful when we walk in this place having spent time with God. And then we're now around the people of God who have done the same thing. And then when those songs come up on the screen, the screen, our hearts gladly rejoice because we've been doing it all week. And songs become more than just worship songs. They become transformation songs when you begin to hear a sermon because you've been in it and God has made you complete and whole and given you hope and purpose, then they're not just things that you fall asleep in. They're actually words of life and we anticipate them because in Psalm 19 it says they are sweeter than anything. They are much more valuable than fine gold or 401Ks or getting a raise. The word of God wants to do this. So I'm not trying to make people feel bad. I want to encourage us because the Bible says it wants to do this with us. It wants to connect us and give us this purpose and bring us to wholeness. Another one, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. Now, I think sometimes the reason why we don't read is because of this verse. This verse is, is tough one. It says this, for the word of God is living and active. If it stopped there, that'd be great. It's awesome. It's alive. Think about that. The word of God is living. It's moving. It's breathing. It's 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 bringing life to the people of God. It's living and it's active. It's not dormant. It's not, a, you know, so many times people talk about the Bible being an ancient book that has no relevance for today. Well, the Bible speaks of itself in a way that that just squashes that. It says, actually, it's constantly on the move. It's living and it's active. It's propelling. It's it's encouraging. But then it says this, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirits, of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You see, some of us don't want to read the word of God because we know what it's going to tell us. We're afraid that maybe because some of the life choices that we're making or maybe we're neglecting God in some areas. And we know that if we go to the word of God, it's going to cut us. It's going to reveal some things to us. Verse 13 says, and no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And when it starts talking about soul and spirit and joints and marrow and all that stuff, it's just saying that the word of God has the power and the know-how to get to the deepest, darkest parts of who we are. Our heart of hearts and it speaks to us there. I wonder how many of us view the word of God in this way. That it is able to do this. Some of us don't want to go there because we know that it's going to tell us the truth. It's going to tell us sometimes what we don't want to hear. But the reality is, is nothing is from hidden from God anyway. So it says that it is living and active and it cuts us at the deepest parts of who we are. And it exposes who we are. That's what the Bible says about itself. Power, living, active, cuts, exposes, brings joy, restoration, revival in our hearts. But what is the goal? What is the goal of reading the Bible? You know, when I went to do my training, Bible college and all that type of stuff, I remember feeling like I'm just such a bookworm. Like, so I, I just remember reading everything twice. I just ate everything up and I loved it. And, and it was just awesome. And I was learning all these truths and all this theology and all this stuff. And, and next thing you know, I'll never forget, I was in uh, a coffee shop and I was reading this systematic theology book and I was writing a paper and everything. And, and then all of a sudden I just remembered, like, I felt like, does this stuff mean anything to me? And then I remember reading this quote and it said, Theology without doxology is dung. This was written a long time ago, so the word dung in the, (laughs) it was, we don't use that, we say poop. Um, But theology that doesn't lead to worship, doxology is poop. And I remember being so convicted. I'm reading the Bible every single day. I'm taking things in and I'm saying, man, this is great. And I'm learning all this theology and all this type of stuff. And I realized that I had missed everything. Do you know that it is possible? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. To read the Bible and get nothing out of it. It doesn't transform us. doesn't do anything for us. We just religiously go about doing it. And go about our day. That was me. So what is the goal of actually... We talked about what the Bible is. What's the goal of actually getting in the Bible? Transformation. It has the power to change us. The goal is that not that we get into the Word of God. And that there's nothing that happens in our life. The goal is transformation. I remember hearing a long time ago. We're not trying to master the text. We want the text to master us. So we go to the Bible with this idea that it wants to literally transform our lives. Do you understand that right now, at this moment, this is a very sacred time. Not because Aaron Roy is speaking. That's not sacred at all. (laughs) But because the very words of God are being breathed out to us. Like this is a sacred time that if we were to take it for what it is and by God's grace and mercy He allow us today to actually take this stuff in that it wants to transform who we are. So often we come to church, we do church and we walk out of this place the same way we came in. The goal of preaching the Word of God, of being in the Word of God is not so that we know it. How many of you met those people who are like know-it-alls? They like know every passage in the Bible and they're always quoting scripture, but their life stinks. It's very possible that we become theologians, so to speak, studying God without getting to know him and being changed by him. Like this right now? What is going on right now where we have the Bible up on the screen and we're expounding on it is not meant to be a religious routine. It is meant to revive those of us who are hurting. It is meant for for restoration to happen in our hearts and our lives. It is meant to encourage us and give us hope. It is meant to change us and transform us. But I am guilty as a preacher... Of making it something that it shouldn't be. The goal of being in the word of God is not that we get to know the Bible. Is that the Bible would literally transform us. So we talked about why we don't do it. We talked about also what does the Bible say about itself. We talked about the goal which is transformation. Transformation. Uh, You know, I I still want to just hone in on that point. John 17. There's a passage here I want us to look at. John 17, verse 17. Jesus is about to be crucified. And John 17 is basically Jesus' last prayer for his church and his people. And he goes on, he starts out by saying this amazing thing in John 17 3. He says, I pray that they may have eternal life. And then he says something amazing. He says, Knowing God is eternal life. That's an amazing statement that he starts out with. He says, This is eternal life that they may know you. Eternal life for us, we think, is heaven and going, and no pain, and no suffering. There is part, that's part of it. But the thing that makes heaven so great is that God is there. And the sinfulness that you and I struggle with will be removed, and we will be able to know God for who He is and see Him for who He is without all the drama and craziness. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you and whom you have sent. And then he goes on to say in this passage, sanctify, set apart, make them your people, brand them, is what this word means, in the truth. And then it says, your word is truth. And as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth which we just heard is his word you see for Jesus this is a big deal for his people he has sent them out to be the people of God and the way that he prays for them is saying Lord sanctify them set them apart brand them by your word and I consecrate myself he says So that my people, you and I, could be grounded and sanctified in truth in his word. You see, Jesus, when he thought of the Bible, when he thought of scripture and the power therein. It was a big deal for him. It is how he says that we're to function in this world. And without it, we will not be sent out just like he is sent out into the world, just like he was sent to the world. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. Transformation is the goal of looking at the scriptures at a daily basis. And I'm not saying this religious. You have to do an hour and a half of Bible reading a day. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we go to the scriptures because it has the power to transform our jacked up hidden marriages. We go to the Scripture because it has the power to transform the secret sins of our lives that no one else knows about. It actually has the power to transform. You know, when I first got married, I didn't know how to lead my wife and my kids spiritually. And I remember some of the worst arguments of our marriage was during devotions. (laughs) Believe it or not. And the reason being is, is, is I just... I just didn't know how to, I was so messed up inside and I had this crazy view of, of what it meant to be a leader and, and I, and for about two years of my marriage, I was so afraid to lead my family spiritually that I left ministry. Because I just didn't know what to do and I had in my mind that I had to do this this and this and this and this and this and it was so daunting and overwhelming that I didn't do anything. And my family suffered because of it. But there was a turning point that happened. And it was just this simple thing where it said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do with my wife. I'm just going to take the Bible at night. I'm going to ask her, number one. (laughs) That's key, fellas. Ask. I asked her, can we just read one chapter a night out loud? I'm not going to commentate on it. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about it. I just want to read with you. And then let's pray about what we read. That's it. Took us like 20 minutes, 15. And do you know that our marriage began to change from that simple thing? It wasn't that I had this magic formula or that the Bible is a magic potion. It just meant we just got in it. And God has the power in all of our brokenness to begin to change stuff because of it. Transformation is the goal. And it gets deep down into our darkest parts. I don't know about you guys, man, but there's things that are still in my heart and my life that I am just so ashamed of. And they may not be lived out outwardly. But inwardly, there is a battle. And I know from scriptures in Galatians 5 that every single one of you is in the same battle. And we're tired of getting beat down by these same struggles and sins that we've been battling with for years. And maybe we just need to give this a try. Simply saying, God, I don't understand it. I don't know what it's talking about, but I trust that it's from you and I'm just going to commit some time to it. And I'm going to read it out loud and then I'm going to pray, God, what does this mean for me? Transformation is the goal. My marriage, which was broken to the point where my (laughs) three years in my wife, I came home to a letter. That said, I can't do this anymore. You are so busy doing the things of God that you have forgotten your family and you're not leading us spiritually. And I just wept and I said, what am I supposed to do? And I left ministry for a year. And what do we do? We just read out loud. And God began to reveal some of the dark places in my heart and in her heart. And we, even though that was the hardest year of our marriage, God did something because we just said, we're just going to be committed to your word. Transformation. And what is the prize? Number four, we got a few seconds here. The goal is transformation. What is the prize? The prize is we get to know God. Now, I may seem weird or simple, but ultimately, when we read the Bible, we're only reading the Bible. The, The ultimate goal is to know God. You see, all of us have messed up views about God. And all of us, if left to ourselves, will form and fashion the God who we want him to be. We need something to actually inform us about who God is, because sinful nature has set in and we are all messed up. And if we are left to ourselves, we will form and fashion this golden calf type God like they did at the bottom of Mount Sinai. They had messed up views of who God was. God had to teach them who he was. But if left to themselves, what did they do? They fashioned and formed a God in their own image, something that made them happy. We will do the same thing. You know what? Every one of us in this room is being discipled by something and someone. Every single one of us. It's the TV or it's the job or it's friends. Every single one of us, whether we like it or not, are being formed and shaped by something. The reason why we need the word of God is because our fallen hearts and our fallen minds need to absorb truth about who God really is. Not who we want him to be, not who we think him to be, but who he really is. Because if we don't, we are in danger of idolatry. And all throughout scriptures, God says, you think you know me, but you don't. You praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You see, the Bible actually helps us get to know God without forming and fashioning a God of our own Im- out of our own image. And knowing God is the greatest thing that we could ever imagine. To think that the Bible, if we get into it and begin to read it and begin to take it in, is actually going to allow us to get to know the Creator of the universe... For who He is and not who we want Him to be. That's why Jesus says, this is eternal life. That they may know you. That word know in the Greek is the same word used when it talks about Joseph and Mary. When it says, and Joseph did not know his wife until Jesus was born. He did not have that intimacy with his wife until um, Jesus was born. That's the same word used there. He's saying this is a not just a knowledge of, but you really, really get to know God. So much so that it's the deepest intimacy that you can ever imagine. Some of us, that just seems like religious fairy tales. We can't really know God in that way. Well, the Bible is saying that God's word is how we get to know him. And knowing God is the greatest gift. What is the greatest thing that God could give us? Himself. So when we get into the Bible, when it seems so daunting, some of us, how many of you have really big Bibles? Anybody have a really big Bible? I have a really big one. And so, you know, I put it down on my desk sometimes. It's a study Bible and it just makes this noise like, you know, and it's big and it's heavy. And sometimes I look at it, and I'm just like, whoa, it's daunting almost. But when I go to it with the idea that I'm not trying to be a theologian, that I'm not trying to just know the Bible, That I'm not viewing it as something that like a magical potion for my life. But rather I, at the end of the day, God, I come to you desperately and broken. And I just want to know you. Will you reveal yourself to me through this? Because if you don't do it, I'm going to make you who I want you to be. And I know that isn't good. So we go to it with this idea of knowing God. God does not want to hide himself from anyone in this room. He is not, seek. you know, we talk about Da Vinci codes and, and, and all this crazy stuff, mathematical equations in the Bible. Let me just tell you this, first and foremost, that is bull, number one. But number two, God isn't trying to hide himself from us. Matter of fact, he says that if you seek after me with your whole heart, you will find me. God is not a God who wants to hide himself behind theological deep doctrines in the Bible. The Bible is meant for us to get to know him. Now, let me ask you this question. Does that describe your relationship with God in closing? Like, I know him. I don't know the Bible per se. I don't know all the verses. But I know the God of the Bible. And the more I'm in there, the more I actually rejoice And find meaning and purpose. Does that describe your day-to-day life with God? Or is it really just sort of like a... ah? Sometimes it's on, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I like to just pretend like it's not there. Actually, I'm just afraid to hang out with God. Just think about it. God wants to be known. And He's breathed out a living and active book for us that isn't some type of Lord of the Rings <laughs> magic potion. But it is Him saying to us, I love you and I want you to know me. So next time you open that Bible, take that posture of humility and of like, you know what, God? I, I don't get this. I don't know that I've ever read it for the right reasons. A matter of fact, my heart right now is skeptical. It's okay to say that to God. But then say, you know what, God, but I believe that you have given this. So that I may know you, Lord, can you do that? And slowly, but surely, God will reveal himself. This whole Francis Chan series has been about discipleship. The multiply thing. And in order for us to be Christ followers, we need to know Christ. And the greatest way for us to know who Christ is is to dive headlong. And messed up and broken as we are, we dive right in and say, okay, I need to know this Jesus in a real way. So, my invitation for you is this pick it up, be honest. And earnestly pray that God show himself to you. I know that there's all these Bible study methods. and But let's just start with the simple stuff. Let's just basically pick it up and say, God, I believe it's true. Will you show me who you are? And God will delight in showing you that. So as the worship team comes on up, let me give you some... Just two pointers here. First of all, if you're not used to reading your Bible, when you first do it, it'll seem like a duty. And you need to be honest about that. And you need to pray, God, how do I go from duty to delight? And God wants to do that for you. Remember this also as a pointer. When you're reading the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is pointing to a coming Messiah. Ask God to reveal that to you. Even when you read books, crazy ones like Leviticus. When you're like, what in the world does this mean? Remember that the Old Testament is pointing to a coming Messiah. And when you read the New Testament, guess what? It doesn't change. The New Testament is about a coming Messiah. The Old Testament saints were waiting for Jesus to come. The New Testament (laughs) saints are waiting for Jesus to come back. And if you begin to wrap your mind around this, that this book that we have, that many people in this world don't even have the privilege of having, that this book is meant for us to know God. And man, I pray that a year from now, if God gives us this time, by the end of 2014, all of us in this room, and there are some in this room who are already there, but we could say with Psalm 19 when he says this, He says, these are more to be desired, are they, than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And in keeping them is a great reward. God wants to be known, and he's given us the breathed out book to help us do that. Father God, in Jesus' name. I pray that you would open up the scriptures to us. Now that we have neglected the Bible, we have treated it as something that it's not, we've been afraid of it. It hasn't been a priority. Therefore, you haven't been a priority. But, God, you are so good in that you are ready in this midst of all of our laziness and our spiritual apathy you are ready to reveal yourself to us god there is nothing like knowing you there is nothing like knowing you god there we are there are souls in this room who are so thirsty They are so hurting. They are so dry. And God, they are tired and weary. Father, what they need is You. And God, You have said, take and eat of Your Word. And that when we do that, we will get to know You. And when we get to know You, God, there is just hope In the midst of this crazy, hectic world that we live in. There is truth and promises that cut through the lies that we believe every day. Father, just please open up the word to us. Sanctify us in your truth and your word is truth so that we may be sent out just as Jesus Christ was sent out to the world. That we may be complete and whole and find purpose and meaning in our life so that actually church means something to us. You are not a Sunday God. You are an everyday God that loves His people and wants to give us the gift of Yourself. Father, sanctify us with your truth, that we may know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.